This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is a very special guest. It's Chip Regan. He's the chief information security officer of the largest auto retailer in the nation, AutoNation. I take it it's AutoNation.com, Chip. It is. Awesome. So, Chip, I know you're a busy man. I really appreciate your time. Welcome to the hot seat. Happy to be here, Gary. Thanks for having me. Now, being a big company and having the SEC uh, out there coming up with new things, they've got a guidance for safeguarding data. How does that affect you? And does that roll down to other uh, partners of yours where you have to even keep an eye on them? Well, it does. Uh, so it affects us. It hasn't really gotten gone into effect until December, but we have to prepare for it. Any company of our size has to prepare for something like that. And what they're asking is they want to make sure that we're safeguarding customer information wherever it goes, if it's our customer information. For instance, if we, if we share that information with a third party, we're responsible for that third party man, managing and handling that data in a safe, safe manner. And if they share it with a third party, we're responsible for that third party as well and so forth and so on until that, that chain stops. That can have a lot of long and, and uh, lasting implications for trying to keep track of all that. And most of the controls that we would have to be able to do that would really be contractual. The smaller the company, I think the, the less burdensome that is, but it's gonna be, it, it, you know, listen, any federal regulation just to protect customer information is a good thing. It really is. It's better than having a government that doesn't care and so companies can run roughshod. But in a lot of cases, it takes a lot of diligence to make sure that you put all the controls in place. And so we'll, we'll do it in contracting and we'll make sure that we vet our third parties, which we do already. But uh, this now has a, a much deeper and lasting implication. So th- this means uh, in the service level agreement, let's say with a cloud host, they're a third party. And maybe they're they're working with you, whether it's something to do with PCI, uh, you know, taking credit card information, or maybe they're just keeping track of some kind of customer record for you to help you out, maybe scheduling them for a mechanical repair of their car, something like that. Third party, it's not your fault if they have a breach, but with the SEC guidelines, it partially is. It is. They're gonna they're gonna hold us responsible, uh, essentially being the deep pocket there. Uh, because it's our customer information and we brought them on as a, a third party. And any, any cascading third parties that they bring in, we're also responsible for. So yeah, the contracts have to be airtight now. And, and it's, not just, it's not just third party or, or uh, a vendor uh, risk assessment. I mean, they wanna make sure that you have a security program, that you have an, an incident response plan in place, that you have a, a responsible officer or CISO director, whatever it is, in place that's overseeing all of the data protection uh, and controls. Well, you know, the FDA's uh, been trying to do that in uh, the pharmaceutical industry. Healthandhumanservices.gov has the wall of shame for healthcare providers, but they, they, there's not a lot of teeth in the healthcare industry for their loss of records other than the wall of shame right now. It sounds like the SEC is wanting to act like the FDIC has done for banks. And CFPB for consumer financial, yeah. So this is just another example of another agency ensuring that that the commercial industry is doing what it should do to protect customer data. 
Now, once this rolls out, is this a once a year audit or review, or is this something that has to go in with the you know, 10K filings or something? It has to go in with the 10Ks, yes. And I would imagine that they're, they haven't really laid that out yet. I think it's gonna go in much like the CFPB did, and they'll come in to a, you know, a, a list of companies and audit their practices and make sure that the stated controls are in place and that, that uh, all of your data security precepts and vendor third risk management, third party risk management are in place. Now with 350 locations around the US and growing as the largest auto retailer, uh, you've got remote offices everywhere to worry about. Now, now that that's kind of a, a hefty thing. And then on top of that, I'm wondering if, you know, we've had the BYOD dilemma for a while, but now we've got the work from home dilemma. Has that affected you post COVID as well? It really didn't. I mean, if you think about it, we've been in in the office, so to speak, because you can't sell cars if you're not in the stores. So our, our associates have been in the stores from day one. Uh, there was a short period of time where headquarters was not. But when during that time, we have controls in place. Uh, we use a, a, a very capable product called Zscaler for our third party, or rather our, uh, our endpoint protection. Uh, it's gone a long way, I would say, in helping us fend off ransomware and other malicious URL uh, act, you know, that our associates may click on. Um, and we have a we have a pretty robust phishing training and monthly campaign that keeps our associates up to speed and in the know of what they should and shouldn't do when they get malicious. And, and oftentimes I get emails from the executives saying, is this you, right? So with all that, it hasn't really affected us in the remote space. Uh, and, and we have, you know, our VPN and always on VPN uh, functionality on our mobile devices too. So um, I'd say we're pretty well postured for that mobility uh, flexibility. But as I say, our stores are there, so the associates are in the stores, and we have to be. Are they using their own gear? Are they allowed to bring in their own laptop? I'm sure they're allowed to use their own phone. They are using their own phones for a lot of things. Um, we've, we are providing some devices for the techs. We do video walk-arounds on a car after it's been serviced, and they point out to the customer, and then they text it to the customer. I say, hey, here's your car. Your tires look good. You know, they did this on me when I had my car in. But yeah, they're, they have to use their own phones. And so we, we have to make sure that we segregate those devices from our production network, in which we do. And is that, a, is that a, an endpoint technology from uh, Zscaler? Is that a good solution or some other vendor that's doing uh, endpoint protection on BYOD? But we segregate those by putting those on a public guest network. And that's how we keep them, keep them away from our systems. That's great. So you've bifurcated the networks, which uh, is very smart. Uh, I'm wondering, you've been attacked by everything from ransomware to business email compromise attacks, and yet you've withstood the test of time of these attackers. How do you do it? Well, it's uh, a vigilant team. I inherited a really, really fine uh, infrastructure. My team's extremely talented. We, we can talk about you know, talent acquisition and retention in a minute. I fostered a really uh, close working relationship with our technology management team. So there's not the adversarial, hey, this, you guys aren't doing this. And, you know, when we find stuff, they fix it. I mean, I literally had a pen test that found stuff and the, and the application development team within an hour of me sending it out to them had the fixes in place. We move quick around here because we take it seriously and we're funded appropriately, I'd say. And so we have, a really good subset of controls. 
Now, one of the things as an expert in cybersecurity you have to do, I believe, because you, you, you meet with your board frequently, you've got to have that business acumen in your role as well, don't you? I do. I do. I, and I, one thing I won't do is go to the board and say, hey, I want this new shiny object or, you know, I want to spend, spend, spend. And my boss is pretty good about giving me what I need and ensuring that we don't, you know, breach the bottom line of our, our, our budget. And so um, focusing on that and trying not to build back to the stores unnecessarily uh, really helps us succeed, I think. And, and we've gotten everything we've needed. That's awesome. And you, you know what I've noticed in our industry? Uh, sometimes it's the, the revolving door for the CISO uh, or there's a breach because he's been asking or she's been asking for things that they haven't been able to get. Part of it is really that communication to the executives that you're not really a cost center. Every time you stop a breach, you've probably saved millions of dollars, but you're not bringing that up every day. Yeah, and that's, that's interesting you bring that up because I just had that conversation with my boss, <clears throat> the CIO. And I'm like, the CISO's most difficult challenge is justifying spend to prevent a negative, something that didn't happen. And it's because we have those controls in place and we need to put additional layers in place to make sure that the new evolving threats don't, don't happen. How do I justify that? How do I say, well, I've saved. I mean, I can give you examples of thwarted breaches. I can't tell you if that would have gone into five machines or 5,000 machines, right? It's a, a careful cut walk of the tightrope to get, get what you need without fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And then also, you know, cowering back and not trying to get what you need. There's a, there's a delicate balance there. Now, you've got a great team. They're passionate. They really care about their jobs and the company. Uh, there's still a hiring challenge in cybersecurity. We've got hundreds of thousands of job openings in America and worldwide, the numbers are higher. How do you fill these roles? Uh, do you hire within? Do you look for people with similar skill sets, but they're not yet in cyber and you get them some training? What do you recommend to folks who are struggling in this area? So, yes. <laughs> and I say yes, because we've done all those things. Um, I've hired folks that have left for other companies thinking that they would do better there, that came back because they preferred the culture here and the benefits. Uh, and the company is, it's a wonderful company to work for. We just got a brand new CEO who's extremely passionate and he's got a, a clear vision. And so that lifts up all of our hopes that, you know, we're going to do well. And we are doing well. We're doing very well. Great team, not just the security team. I mean, across the board, we have a really, really solid leadership team. Uh, the folks at the stores, they care about what they're doing. So when it comes to bringing folks back or bringing folks in, um, I will say there is a challenge and it's not just me, it's folks, especially in South Florida here, it's, it's very, very tight. There's not a lot of technology companies here. Um, my dear friend is the, the CIO at Ryder. You know, he has this, the same kind of challenges we talk all the time. And it's not just about compensation. You know, you have to be, I think one of the things that draws folks here is we have a really solid security infrastructure state-of-the-art and some state-of-the-art tools and they want to work with those i've got my my stack ops manager implementing you know threat hunting uh regimen on a weekly basis he's got a you know a very detailed list of things that they're going after and he's got all of the team engaged so that not one person's just doing virus management or or 
uh, patching or whatever. They're all getting their rolling up their sleeves, getting involved in a lot of cross pollination. And I think it brings a lot of excitement for them. That's one of the ways that I recruit. And we also are doing something by bringing in college, you know, interns. And uh, hopefully that'll spark, you know, spark a fire in them. If they want to come back here after they graduate. So things like that. I think you, you got to, we work closely with our HR team. Uh, some outside agencies that'll probably bring a flood of calls from from headhunting organizations. But, you know, we do what we can to make sure that we get the talent. And the other thing is, even though our folks are in the stores, when it comes to technology, we'll hire somebody that's in Michigan or, or Montana that we don't have a store there. Uh, because if they're going to do technology, they can do it remotely. That gives us that flexibility and brings in the talent that we need. That's wonderful. And some great advice. It sounds like having a corporate culture where it's, it's, it goes beyond the IT team, the whole company really supports your initiatives and you've got a great CEO at the helm and uh, making it fun and passionate. And also Florida is a great state to work in. As you say, you can work remotely, but uh, what a great, uh, I think a thousand people a day are moving to Florida right now. Yeah. So opportunities abound. Tax-free income. Yeah. So Chip, is there anything we haven't covered that you want to share with our viewers and listeners? I would say that um, as a leader, uh, make sure you're invested in your team. And that may sound cliche, but uh, I think the way I found success as a, as a security leader, going back all the way to when I was in Air Force Space Command in 1998, was to make sure that I engaged with my team, that I knew what they needed, and I provided for them. And it's not just about tools. It's about making sure that their health and well-being is, is in place, so that they want to work for you, so that there's, there's loyalty to the company. Uh, I think that goes a long way in talent acquisition and retention. Um, but, you know, that's, that's my philosophy, and it's worked well for me in the past. That's a great philosophy. Chip, thank you so much for your time in the hot seat. And folks, go to autonation.com. If you're in our space or getting in our space, I'm sure there's some job opportunities. Uh, they're headquartered in an amazing state. The weather's awesome. And you've got a great chief information security officer at the helm. Chip, thanks again for sitting in the hot seat today. Thanks, Gary. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Malewski.